It's the TEH Podcast, episode number 160. I'm Leo Notenboom of AskLeo.com. And I'm Gary Rosenzweig of MacMost.com. So we got a few things to chat about today. Yeah. Uh, you have here in the notes, um, as if in an answer to a question you asked last week, I will have to admit I do not remember the question you asked last week. Oh, the, about uh, are, are we, are we going to jump right into Ukraine? Yes. Yeah. So, I well, last week I was talking about the fact that after it's all over, we're going to find some neat stories about how, like, you know, tech and the tech workers and, you know, played a part in all of this. Right. And it, and just as if, like, answering that question, we got a story like that this last week. Um, and it was actually in several different news sources. I didn't try to track down who originally published it, but okay. big, big news sources about um, now that Russia has pulled out from the Kiev general area. Mm-hmm. You know what stopped that convoy of trucks and, and tanks and all that coming down? What you know? What kind of held things back? And it turns out, uh, well, not completely unexpected, but drones is the answer. Um, and what is kind of interesting is exactly what I thought. It's basically a bunch of tech guys like you and me um, ha- have been working for years to basically play with drones and uh you know create defenses around them so there was an article and we'll, we'll link to it and basically um you know some tech uh, ukrainians have been who were involved in the 2014 uh events there their kind of mini revolution that they had mm-hmm. um started basically a drone core of of ukrainian <laughs> military and you know without any real funding and any like real military like logistics or whatever just started playing around with drones um like a lot of people here in the us do except we usually do it for photography reasons um they started, or search and rescue is the area that i see oh yeah. yeah yeah so but instead of like purchasing off the shelf like hey we don't know much about drones. Let's buy some stuff and read about it and use them. They were basically tech hackers. And we're trying to like different parts, building different drones, doing different things with them. Um, and this group's been around for a while. It was actually disbanded in 2019, but then quickly reinstated when tensions uh, increased last year with Russia. Mm-hmm. And it looks like they um, were used quite a bit to foil Russia's plans, especially around Kiev. Um, they flew drones, they had created the, these drones from parts and stuff that a lot of which they can't get because apparently a lot of this stuff made in the United States and Canada can't be exported, um, because it's like high technology and everything. And Fascinating. I, guess, yeah. I guess they couldn't, U- Ukraine was a place you, they couldn't buy them directly, but they were able to buy some from eBay and such. <laughs> and <laughs> cracks me yeah. <laughs> and then, and they built drones, drones that dropped bombs, drones that were bombs, uh, I was going to ask exactly what they were cameras. using the drones for. A lot of camera yeah. stuff. Uh, apparently, a lot of stuff having to do with uh, helping artillery. You know, of course, artillery's had a long history of um, using technology because you have to spot, you know, what's going on. So, yes. you know, go back way back when you actually have somebody that have to go over to spot uh, where it was and run back and say, yeah, three miles that way. Uh, and then they had balloons, you know, there are a lot of uh, work with, uh, lighter than air aircraft, then heavier than air aircraft, uh, planes running reconnaissance and reporting back, uh, people, of course, uh, more recently 
actually going where they could be very close to where the bombs or, or the artillery shells are supposed to fall and radioing back their position. But drones is what uh, apparently um, the Ukrainian military was using to kind of target, figure out where the Russians were. And at one point, uh, I guess sounds like destroying about 200 paratroopers that dropped in to try to take the airport and the drones were able to spot them. They fired a bunch of artillery shells and that was it. Um, And so, yeah, a lot of fascinating stuff, a lot of tech tech, uh, things here. Like for instance, you know, drones of course are controlled by radio and Mm -hmm. not only do you need to control them, but you need to be able to see through the camera so they can, you know, you can get the information and you can see what's going on. If it's a bomb, you're going to drop or something, which means that you have a radio and the drone's got a radio and you can use equipment to figure out where the person with the radio is. Right. So by turning on their drones and using their drones, they could immediately be spotted and the Russians could drop bombs on them. Right. So what they would do is uh, they had to basically call it launch and run. So they had to basically keep moving uh, to make sure as they were controlling these drones, I, I, they didn't say so in the article, but I imagine it's the kind of thing where one guy's driving, one guy's controlling the drone right? right. and where they're moving has nothing to do with what the drone is doing. They just right. don't want to be hit. Another th- part was uh, jamming because, you know, radio frequencies are all used for right. drone communication. The Russians would not only could jam it, but basically had their jammers turned on all the time. So they couldn't fire their drones. And then they would turn them off because Russia wanted to fly their own drones. <laughs> so as soon as Russia would turn off their jamming so they could fly their own drones, the Ukrainians were ready to get their drones out there right, like right away and would usually just try to target the, where the jamming equipment was or where the, uh, where the Russian drones were. Um, I'm actually so, kind of surprised that they didn't, as part of their hacking, that they didn't um, like change frequencies, use different yeah. bands, well, that kind of stuff. I think jamming though is pretty wide, right? I mean, you don't just jam it, a specific frequency; it, you probably it, do a lot. You can, yeah, yeah, but it, yeah. it depends. But yeah, it fascinating. Yeah, and and I guess these articles, one of the reasons that maybe they're published is they they talk about you know the difficulty getting parts and maintaining um, their their fleet of drones and how important it's been. And I'm wondering if they they're looking for some people uh, who have. M- uh, more resources and money than you and I, uh, right. maybe uh, contacting uh, the Ukrainian government and saying, I can help with some of this. Like I can yeah. get you some parts, that kind of thing. I can get you a shipping container full of I can get, <laughs> yeah. Parts, you, yeah. You need infrared cameras. You need radios. Maybe you need radios that run on unusual frequencies. Yeah. You know, that kind of thing. So, uh, so yeah, fascinating stuff. The stories, just like I thought coming out just a lot quicker than I thought. That seems to be one of the themes yeah. of this particular conflict as well, is that a lot of the information that's coming out is coming out in near real time, which is unusual yeah. for a lot of the warfare that we've seen in decades prior. Um, it's 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 both horrifying and fascinating uh, to see what's what's going on and how technology is being used for this. Yeah. I mean, it, in general, I think a lot of this stuff is really boosting def- defense. You know, like the these drones, you know, you, being able to spot things, being able to drop the type of bombs that would disable a tank or a you know a, a truck right. um, is much more useful in defense than on offense. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also the same thing with a lot of these other things like uh, you know surface air missiles and anti tank weapons and all. A lot of that stuff's useful for shooting down fighter jets. It's useful for sh- hitting tanks, but not that useful for attacking. 
right. which is an interesting thing. If you know, if it continues, it basically makes makes warfare harder, which is good. That's a good thing. Um, yeah, I mean, we're already seeing. You know, it's like Russia doesn't seem to be able to uh, mount an attack on a country with the size and sophistication of Ukraine. They thought they could, right? And it turns out they are wrong. And it's um, and if it turns out that basically technology pushes things more towards defense than offense in the future. Um, yeah, that's a good sign. That means that there'll be less offense, <laughs> less right. countries want to make war and uh, instead have uh, uh, real so solutions for problems, not just uh, killing people. Well, I have to go and talk to all my uh, all my drone playing friends yeah. and let them know that uh, they should uh, turn some of their attention to, uh, you know, just in case defense. Yeah, it's a yeah. good thing. <laughs> um, so uh, I did something surprising last week. Yeah. Uh, and I wanted to use it as an opportunity to to basically have you educate me. Here's the thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, I reached a threshold. I got one too many questions about technology that I did not have. Mm -hmm. And it was one of those things where it was somebody asking who I really wanted to give them an answer. But in mm -hmm. order to give them an answer, I needed to get the technology. Mm -hmm. So I am now the proud owner of an iPad Pro. Wow. Um, an 11 inch, 256 gigabyte um, edition. And uh, indeed, I was able to quickly figure out exactly what it was my, uh, my friend was asking about and was able to provide an answer or at least get us a path down towards an answer. It's never. It's one of those things that's never too serious. No, never that simple. It's a third-party piece of software, um, and mm -hmm. uh, you know. But but now, as we continue to diagnose it, um, I've got the technology. I can play with it, mm -hmm. and playing with it is what I've been doing. Right? I've been. I've fired it up. I've. I've got it sitting here with me, and it's. It's now an opportunity because I've worked with Windows. I've worked with Linux. I've worked with Mac. Um, I've, I have an Android tablet, uh, a Samsung, an older one, uh, but I'm absolutely convinced that I am using my iPad like an Android. In other words, I'm just doing the things that I know I can do because I've been able to do them other, on other platforms. I'm absolutely convinced, never having used an iPad or an iPhone, that I'm probably missing out on some cool stuff. Mm. So... Gary, yes, who's written the book on the subject quite literally. <laughs> what should I be looking at? For you, boy, that's you know, that's tough. You and I are kind of of a different type. You know, we're not the target audience for the iPad, it turns out. Doesn't mean there are not some cool things we could do with it. Mm -hmm. But I mean, a lot of people today, especially with the model that you bought, the 11 inch pro, you know, mm -hmm. they get the keyboard and the trackpad. Right. And they replace their laptop with it. Right. Yeah, you I know, know is, I have a friend who's yeah. got a exactly that configuration. It may not be the current model, but exactly that, a, a Bluetooth keyboard and a, uh, uh, actually, yeah, just the Bluetooth keyboard. And she's always reaching to the screen instead of the mouse, you know, as her, as her pointing device. Yeah, it actually works. You know, uh, iPad OS works really great with the mouse or trackpad now. Mm -hmm. um, they put a lot of work into it. Matter of fact, there's some way i don't know if you've ever experienced actually trying to use a trackpad or mouse with it but 
there's some things it does that are fascinating. And I wonder if they're going to make it to the desktop of maybe the Mac first and, and then to uh, perhaps even other operating systems that use pointers. Um, just like, you know, the actual pointer, other people call it the cursor, but technically it's the pointer, mm -hmm. um, merging with the item it's over. So instead of having a pointer that's always an arrow, and then when it's over a button, it's still an arrow. Um, and actually, while it's over the button, it like merges into the button because there's really nothing else going on there. You, you're not going to click the left side of the button or the right side of the button on the screen. Right, right. You're just going to click the button. And it, so it's kind of a neat, natural thing. Um, another thing people get, in addition to the keyboard trackpad used that way, of course, is the Apple Pencil, which is not your typical stylus at all. Um, it is a much finer control than a stylus, mm -hmm. uh, where stylus is basically the same as your finger, but maybe a little more accurate because it's a smaller point than the tip of your index finger. Right. Um, the Apple Pencil is actually much finer than that. So for things like drawing and uh, even handwriting on the screen, it's you know it's cl a closer experience to paper. So that's another thing to think about. For me. I use a lot of different apps on the iPad just for the bigger screen. Like for instance, I almost always use TikTok on the iPad on the iPad rather than on my <laughs> iPhone. Why use why look at the little tiny iPhone screen? Okay. When I could see, you know, because the, the video is pretty decent quality. Right. You know, the iPhone screen doesn't do it justice. So I, I look at stuff like that on there. I also surf the web a lot, look at, you know, stuff on the iPad because it's a very nice reader. And a lot of times when you're, you know, when you're going to web pages, you're kind of switching modes. You know, you're looking at something, you're looking at a picture, you're, you're manipulating something in an account somewhere, but then all of a sudden you're reading, maybe it's a paragraph or two, maybe it's all article and you kind of switch and the iPad, the screen is beautiful for reading. Right. Plus, you know, not only is it, is it really a nice looking screen, it's high density and all that, but of course, since you're holding it in your hand. It's much more natural reading experience than having a screen, even on a laptop, that really isn't moving with you. Right. You know, that's kind of this thing you're staring at that's static. I mean, we don't think about it, you don't usually put a book on a table on a stand and and you know and read it like that. You hold right. the book in your hand. Right. So, you know, go uh, going to web pages is really interesting. Besides that, there's a ton of creativity tools, but just not stuff that you or I would use because we have these powerful computers. So like, sure, there's an app called Procreate, which everybody seems to love for creating drawing and creating graphics and stuff. I don't do much of that myself because I'm not very artistically inclined, but also, you know, I've got, you know, a couple screens on my Mac. It's really nice and mm -hmm. all that. I, I'm going to probably do graphics work on my Mac, but there are artists that just love just doing it on the iPad. And you know, there's people I think enjoy writing on the iPad if you've got that keyboard too, you know, typing. Mm -hmm. um, I like using the news app to read news. It, it basically turns the iPad into a newspaper for me. Mm -hmm. um, and I like games, playing lots of games on the iPad because it's a beautiful screen for games that work well with touch. So um, mm -hmm. that's mainly what I use it for. There's uh, photo editing is uh, not so much editing as in like, really going into the photos and doing stuff, but just your general, like, oh, I'm going to brighten this up and crop it. That kind of stuff. Okay. The, the screen and the, and having touch is great for that. So since I'm using, in my case, iCloud, 
-hmm. your case, uh, Google Photos. I don't know what you're using for. Uh, mostly Dropbox. Dropbox. Okay. Well, there's, then there's no there's no app there, but I don't think there's an app there. Um, no. no. But you know, for me, for like you know, I've got the Photos app across all my devices. I certainly could, you know, look at my photos and do basic things like you know exposure and filters and stuff on my Mac. But I like to do it on the iPad. And since it's iCloud, it doesn't matter which one I do it on. Right. You know, right. it's not like, oh, I've done it on the iPad. Now I got to go and transfer it, you know, right, no, right. it's, it's done. It's in one place. Um, and then I, I, what else do I use it for? I'm watching stuff. Like if, if I'm mobile, you know, on a trip or something, then it becomes, you know, Netflix and HBO and all that stuff on that. Um, other than that. Okay. I mean, no, that's, that's, that's interesting stuff. So I, I, I didn't even think about TikTok. Um, I will need to, to take a look oh, and yeah. see how that, how that works out for me. I did install Instagram and I was surprised yeah. that the Instagram app doesn't take up the whole screen. It's not an iPad app. Uh, so this is Instagram is infamous for this, for refusing to come out with an iPad app and for, Ever since day one of the iPad, they were, or, you know, whenever Instagram came out or whatever, right. they, they were iPhone and, oh, the iPhone app works on the iPad. And why isn't there a, a iPad version of it, especially for an app that, you know, you're supposed it doesn't to need to be a photos. special version though, right? It just needs to be aware of the screen size. Not, no. Well, okay. So when, so the iPhone came out first Yes. and all, all the iPhone developer tools. Then the iPad came out, and what happened initially when the iPad was new was you could you could develop an app that was just for the iPhone, one that was just for the iPad, or if you wanted to put some extra work into it, you could figure out how to get your app so it was one app and it worked on both. Right. And there were you know a lot of apps that were all three of those things. You know, this is iPhone only. This is, there were even apps. There were a lot of apps originally in the first year where there was an iPhone version and an iPad version because the different screen sizes, there was a huge difference. And it, it's not just that it's a bigger screen. It's just that it kind of calls for a different kind of interface. You know, on an iPhone, you may have a button, like a camera app may have a button to take a picture that takes up, you know, maybe 25% of the corner of a screen, you know, of a screen. And if you put that on an iPad, it looks ridiculous. You know, right. it's huge, right? So the idea is, oh, for the iPad version, we want to make sure everything scales. And the button is basically the same size. It's still the size of your thumb. It just takes up much less screen space. So initially, especially for things like games and creative apps, there were two versions and, you know, each customized. And slowly developers stopped doing that and started just having one version mm -hmm. and just being much smarter with the programming and Apple's developer tools got better at helping developers do that. Um, but for some reason, Instagram skipped all of that and it's just stuck with an iPhone app since the very beginning. Huh. And their excuses were, and they still are, because uh, I've read an article recently about why is there still no Instagram for iPad? And they say, oh, because we'd rather, you know, dedicate our, um, you know, developer time to other features or whatever at the moment, but in the future, maybe we'll do it. I mean, it's 2022 right. and developers like me, one guy can go and say, Oh, I'm going to make a new app. Well, of course, just right here from the ground up in my one week of development, I'm going to make an iPad and iPhone. Right. So you tell me Instagram owned by Facebook or meta is 
can't, you know, get this working right. I mean, every other developer at every other company in the world. What's especially frustrating, I guess, then about that particular situation is that in, I think in the last month, yeah. One of one of the other uh, uh criticisms of Instagram was that you could only upload images from the mobile app. Yeah. You could in other words you could only do it from in this case your iPhone yeah. um or uh your Android phone. But they recently added the ability to upload images from the website, from the web version. Uh, I don't oh. know if you could do the full Instagram story experience or not, but you could at least do the basic uploads. It shocks me that they prioritize that over an iPad. Well, yeah. And so that was another weird thing Instagram did was for years, they didn't let people do that. And I actually had a video that was very popular mm-hmm. that because they let people do it from the browser on a phone. Yes. If yeah, I remember that, because yeah. I actually used that trick of yours a time or two. Right. And I don't know if that trick still works or it's not working because, you know, basically with that trick, I would, uh, you know, in any given month, I'd get many thank yous. And then I get one person saying it doesn't work anymore. And sometimes I'd look <laughs> and see, that, you know, cause it's, you have to go and change a few things in the browser and stuff. So there's always going to be people that don't follow the steps. Um, and it's not going to work. It still works. It's just right. that the solution was so technical the, that the magical incantation changed ever so slightly. Right. So, so I don't know. I, I haven't kept up with whether or not my thing still works, but it, if they just enabled it, natively in the browser on a computer that's good Um, of course there are people already i hear people saying that they want a a desktop version of instagram why is there a desktop version Mm -hmm. and so you know it's like get the ipad version first it is very (laughs) ridiculous that they're that we've gone all the way to 2022 and instagram has this weird thing i mean do any of the people that work at instagram even go to like a tourist location and see how many people hold up iPads and take pictures. Because you know, if that's their excuse. It's so bizarre to see that too. I mean, there's all these people holding up cameras and iPhones yeah. that at least look like cameras. And then there are these people with these big ass tablets that are I know. taking pictures. <laughs> I know. And it's, it's funny. It's funny to see, but I get it for several reasons. Oh, sure. And also I have to say, at one point I did say, I'm going to go and take some pictures with my iPad today. Because uh-huh. I just want to see what it's like. Mm-hmm. And I was surprised to find something I didn't even consider, which was having a really big viewfinder that's bright and yes. crystal clear mm-hmm. is wonderful. Yeah. Yep. I-, I was amazed at, I was enjoying taking these pictures, being able to see it so large on the iPad. And I think that might be the allure for some people sure. is maybe they never got into photography because staring at a tiny little square, you know, with one eye and squinting at it or trying to look at a little screen where the sun is like glaring on it, just, I don't for them kind of ruin the experience. And then suddenly having this big iPad screen. Yep. And like, when you think about oh, it, you know, TV yeah. shows, movies, and so forth, those are all being recorded on equipment that has these yes. big screens that not just the cameraman can look at, but several mm-hmm. people around him can look at at the same time without it being uh, uh, you know, a problem. Exactly. So I stopped making fun of people taking pictures on the iPad after I saw that, because yeah. I thought there is one way in which the iPad is a genuinely good you know, way to take photos. It's cause yep. of that big screen. Yep. Um, but anyway, back to, uh, I guess... Uh, 
Instagram. Well, I was gonna, yeah, I, so I was taking some notes here on, yeah. on some of the other things you suggested, and I'm actually yeah. quite proud of myself for actually having been ahead of a couple. Co- were you taking notes on your iPad? Because that's another no, thing I was going to I was suggest. not doing that. I, I did not uh, spring for the pencil. Yeah. And the reason is um, that was a hard sell. Uh, the the cost of the pencil for me, for my expected usage of this thing, um, I just couldn't justify it. Yeah, um, but for knowing about it. I know, I know. It's it, it, be, it's a business expense, right? One of the things with the <laughs> one of the things with the pencil, and you know, Apple kind of snuck in the writing stuff in the last two years, right? You know, they you had the pencil, and you could get an app, and then you could handwrite with the app, and it would translate to text or not or whatever. And it was like, okay, you could do that, and, you know. And then Apple kind of snuck in quietly the whole thing where you can just take the pencil and write wherever you want. Like right on a little tiny, you know, the, in your browser address bar, a mm-hmm. URL, if there's a little field on a web page, if there's, you know, an app that has absolutely no support for this whatsoever, but there's a little thing where you type text for something, you could just write with the pencil and mm-hmm. it will be text. And it's kind of neat. And it's kind of like, God, I remember what, you know, in the years of the, the Newton and the Palm pilot, oh, yeah. that stuff, yeah, how <laughs> like, yeah, we talked about, you know, talked about every little nuance of, of trying to get this right. And now all these years later, it's like, oh, you, you finally can just do it. So I have to, I'll put it this way. I have trouble reading my own handwriting. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see then I suppose if the iPad could do any better. If it can, I will be truly, truly amazed. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, so I didn't, get, I did not get the pencil. Um, what I have done is a lot of what you just described. I've installed the Kindle app on it. Um, I've installed my, uh, my feed reader. Uh, I use Feedly to read RSS feeds a lot. So a lot of content mm-hmm. consumption. It's clearly, and that's something that I kind of sort of brought over from the Samsung tablet anyway. I already had that experience. Um, but yes, reading on this thing is um, is a very pleasurable experience. Uh I I did indeed install a game from this random company called Clever Media, who I've huh? been attempting. I've, I've 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 basically had Clever Media envy for very long because for <laughs> some reason this guy doesn't put his apps on on Windows or on Android. <laughs> so I've got the I've I forget which one it was. I think I just did basic um, solitaire to start with. Oh, okay. Um, I only really have one app now that I really put all my effort into, and that's the Mahjong app. Ah, okay. I did look at Mahjong, and I saw that there were several iterations of it. I, what I ended up doing was searching on Clever Media and seeing what showed up in the store. And yeah. The Mahjong game is the one I converted last year to Swift, uh-huh. like rewrote it from the ground up using uh-huh. Apple's native tools. Um, so it's kind of like way ahead of all the rest um, well, in terms I'll, of I'll, maintenance. and. I'll, I'll do that it. one next. Because uh, yes, I remember Mahjong from years ago. It was one of the early apps that came with one of the game packs. I think on Windows, way, 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 way yeah. back in the day. Well, this is kind of like the same thing. And another thing, as a uh, you know, for for us, is the whole you know screen sharing VNC kind of thing. There are a lot of apps that will do that, and then you'd be able to access the screens of your PCs. Oh, now there's an interesting from elsewhere in the house that I'm actually going to have to try here in real time. Yeah. Because I did install um, Google Chrome. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And Chrome's got that. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's got it built in. And what I'm not sure of. I've never tried it. It's, um, neither have I. Not from your iPad anyway. Oh, come on. I'll have to. I may have to do this offline. Yeah. Uh, after just to sort of see. Um, there it is. Remote desktop. And, oh, I have to sign in. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do that right now. <laughs> um, but yeah, that'll be interesting. That's actually a really good point. Um, I've not done that from the Samsung tablet. I have done it of all things from my phone. Um, and that's usually because there's something that I needed to do on the computer that was two stories below me and I was too mm -hmm. lazy to walk down. Uh, so yeah, yeah, that works. That'll, that'll be actually kind of cool. Yeah. I use it for that a lot. Exactly. For the reason you were talking about, it's like, oh, I need to hit that, that button. Yep. <laughs> on my screen or, yep. you know, I was in the middle of installing something or I just want to export this again and the screen's right there, you know, and it's like, oh, but I have my iPad. Okay. And I, I don't have to get up. Yeah. Um, and then of course, you know, the, the real thing though, is that it's one other way for you to leave your house and leave all those machines behind right. and still have a way that if right. you need to hit that button or check that one thing, you can still do it. Yeah. That you can yeah, still and, do it. And given that it's a bigger screen, because yeah. it's it can be really painful on a phone. Oh, yeah. <laughs> as, no. as I'm sure you know. Um, given that it's a bigger screen, that's a much more uh potentially useful environment. I will definitely give that a try. Watching streams you mentioned, absolutely. I've got not only do I have YouTube, of course, available to me, but I've got, I think I ended up installing either HBO Max or Netflix or both or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. just because. As our listener knows, we regularly talk about things that we've been watching off the streaming services, and this is yet another good venue. What I'm looking forward to trying is um, the next time I donate platelets, uh, which mm. is like a two-hour at least mm. um, commitment. Uh, what I usually do is I usually have my phone with me and I'll end up reading a book or potentially watching something on the small screen. But now, uh, because they provide internet while you're there as well, um, this seems like a very useful approach to uh, to uh, making use of that time uh, while there. Right. Plus, uh, make sure that you download the appropriate airline app before you fly the next time, because a lot of times yeah. the different airlines, you know, you you if you have their app, then you can get on their Wi-Fi network for free and watch various TV shows, movies, and right. Like and it's that. been so long since I've been in an airplane. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know if they're still set up the way I did have, um, via, um, uh, my American Express card, they had one of those benefits where you would get like 10 of the in-flight Wi-Fi services uses per year. Mm. Um, and that was actually a pretty nifty benefit that I ended up using again, when I was traveling back in the day, um, there's a possibility I may end up getting in an airplane later this year. So I'll definitely be looking at that. And yeah, the iPad would be perfect for that kind of in-flight entertainment. Mm -hmm. Um, let's see, what else did I have listed here? <laughs> yeah, no, that's basically, I've been, I've been pretty pleased with it. It's been a, it's been a nifty little device. Um, and I will, uh, probably end up, um, um, experimenting some more, perhaps even trying to do this very podcast sometime using the iPad instead of uh, instead of my desktop, since there's actually no reason that it shouldn't be capable of doing that. Mm -hmm. All right. So yes, I now have an iDevice. My first cool. ever, my first ever iDevice. Well, I just got a whole bunch more of Apple's devices. Of course, you did <laughs> in the last week. Um, and uh, yeah, now I, I'm actually 
on right now a new Mac Studio with the M1 Ultra processor. Ooh. I am looking at a studio display. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's been a it's been a little bit of a roller coaster with them. I am not completely thrilled with either one. Really? Um, That's yeah. shocking. But okay, so the let's start with the display. The display is you know, it's fantastic. It's a 5K screen. So there's really only one other screen there you can compare with the LG 5K. That's it. It's not like there are there are that many around. And it's it looks beautiful. It's nice design. Screen's crystal clear. Not a thing wrong with the screen. It's great. Except it's 27 inch screen, 5K. And I was using the 32 inch 4K before. <laughs> Everything is smaller. Yep. That's more crisper. eye strain. Yeah, more eye strain, more all of that. So I'm not that actually after the first, uh, like I got it and I set it up and I used it in the evening for a couple hours and I was ready to return it right there. And then just like, there's no way I can't use this. I have to, I need a bigger screen. It's not for me. I gave it another day or two and I started to get a little more used to it, but I'm still on the fence. I mean, there are times when I'm not used to it. Actually, right now I am looking at it. It's we're recording this late in the afternoon and I did switch from the regular 5k, uh, which gives me 2560 across, um, of course, pixel doubled for, you know, uh, high DPI. Um, I switched to the 2048 to make everything bigger, uh, which means that <laughs> everything's not as crisp as it should be because right. of the way the pixels overlap. Right. Um, but I just, you know, about two, three in the afternoon, I was like, all right, I think I'm done with, uh, text at this size, I need to go bigger. So <laughs> I, so I changed it and then I need to remember to change it back before I'm done. Because if I start the next morning off at this size, there's no going back. <laughs> you know, you can't go smaller. You have to start small and be like, oh yeah, it's, I'm fresh. It's in the morning. I can see. So anyway, there's that. The, these uh, microphones are really good, but not as good as my shotgun mic. Okay. The speakers are really good. I've never used speakers on a screen before. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have same thing here. I, so I don't really know. I mean, for all I know, and I wouldn't doubt this, that they are the best speakers ever on a computer screen. Okay. <laughs> but I had these, you know, Logitech, you know, nice speakers with a huge cell bolter that sits under my desk from before. Mm-hmm. And it just can't beat that, especially right. where it com- when it comes to bass. Right. Right. So Watching stuff, I was like, this is fine. I don't need my speakers anymore. Great. That saves a lot of space. But then listening to music, I was like, no, no. Music <laughs> sounds much better. But then I, I forced myself to listen to it the next day. And then I started to realize, you know, I think, though, I am getting more on the high end. So in some ways, I'm not getting that bass, but I might be getting more high end. It may be better quality. I'm not sure. So speakers are kind of, I just put it like a a neutral feeling. The camera though has that problem that everybody talks about where the the camera clearly has an issue. They need to update the firmware. Um, So I can't say much about the camera, except it. I wouldn't use it for anything right now. What is the issue? Uh, The issue is it looks horrible. It looks like it's like a 640-480 camera. Oh my. Um, It's all muddy and it's just bad. But it's the same camera that's in, actually, the same camera, I believe, that's in the iPad you just got. 
uh-huh. and the iPad I've got, the mini, which is the 12 megapixel um, center stage camera, which is uh, on the iPad is amazing. You know, it's fantastic quality. Um, the same camera in this. So clearly something is, is wrong. They say it is software. There will be a firmware update for the screen at some point, and hopefully that'll fix it. So I'll wait for then, but then of course I have a 14 day return period. So we'll see how it goes. Right. Um, the, the, now onto the, the real thing, the, the Mac the computer studio. itself. Yes. Yeah. So I got it. Yeah. It's, for, you know, it's nice looking. It looks like a big app icon, <laughs> you know, cause it's got the corners <laughs> around the corners and stuff. So it looks like somebody like me, like, oh, let's make out of wood or aluminum, a, a, something that looks like an app icon. So anyway, it sits on the desk and it looks great. It is, um, you know, uh, I, I suffer from the thing I, maybe you suffer from as well, where I don't get that much of a boost when I go to a new machine because I tend to keep my, keep my own machines nice and clean. They aren't running any extra software that shouldn't be there. Right. Everything's well organized. So I move over to a new machine and instantly forget that it's a new machine. Everything's the same, <laughs> you know. Um, and for the most part, that's been my experience. Everything's pretty much the same, like going from a Mac Pro to a Mac Studio didn't seem to change anything. I did run some benchmarks and um, you know, I did notice for instance, uh, key one, just exporting something from iMovie in 4k, you know, definitely was like about 60% of the time that it took on the Mac pro. So clear winner there, right? That's good. However, what I actually do every day is I export from ScreenFlow. (laughs) So I export like, you know, two different versions, maybe sometimes three of uh, the videos I do every day on ScreenFlow. And it is slower than my really? Mac. Really? Yes. So it turns out the, the people at ScreenFlow have been dealing with this because there's been a couple of the people that have noted this on the uh, MacBook Pro the, with the M1 Max processors in them. Right, right. Um, and that it is not performing very well with exports from ScreenFlow. And it's basically Telestream who, you know, does ScreenFlow, they toss the ball back in Apple's court saying there is a bug in uh, part of the API for video exporting that causes this. And as evidence, they cite other apps having the same issue. And sure enough, if you look at other apps, like I think VLC is one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think maybe there was a video editing app too. I saw, I, I saw in forums people talking about exactly the same thing that exporting actually was not that great. I mean, it wasn't bad. It just was not an improvement over, you know, uh, previous years of Macs like it should be. Mm-hmm. I mean, after all, there's there's video encoding cores right. on the chip, right? You know, so, so anyway, so right now I'm actually in the weird situation where, okay, the $9,000 Mac Pro now is a paperweight and the $5,000 Mac Studio is what I'm using. And it's slower. So, yeah, it's, you know, I'm going to be making videos, you know, here in the next couple of days, the next batch of videos. And it's actually going to take me longer to export those videos. So the ScreenFlow folks, I mean, they've, this is an M1 native version of the app, right? Yeah, it's universal. Yeah, they updated it for that. And they are using the codec that Apple said, you know, use this and Mm. take advantage of stuff. And it's just not very fast so 
Yeah. That's that, you're right. That is really disappointing. That's disappointing. And it's hard to be enthusiastic about the entire thing. Uh, when, um, you know, I'm, de- I'm dealing with that's the real world. It, it like, if it had been the opposite, if everything else had been like, eh, it's the same, oh, this is a little sluggish, or whatever, but Hey, I can export from ScreenFlow faster. I probably would be, you know, happy. Sure. Sure. And it's like the opposite. This one thing that I really need, the one thing where I am waiting for the computer. You had one day. job. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, so I, and then, you know, some, one of these reports I saw went back to October, I guess when they released the M1 Max, which is really disappointing because it's like, well, it's been all this time and Apple still hasn't fixed this. Is Apple right. ever going to fix this? You know? Right. Uh, I mean, obviously iMovie doesn't have the problem because I exported from iMovie and it was fast. So yeah, it's, it's disappointing. And it kind of takes the whole, like, I should be enjoying my brand new machine, right? but instead I'm kind of sitting there going, it's going to take longer for me to export video. Uh, it, now will it take, well, there will it be better while I'm actually editing video. That's something I haven't tried yet. So, cause I've, I, I've only had it for 24 hours at this point. Um, it's, it's funny because, um, I've had the experience myself where in some ways, I often don't care how long an export takes yeah. because it's a standalone process. You know, you do, you yeah. turn it loose and it does what it does. And if it's going to take a while, I'll go get my coffee or I'll go read my email mm-hmm. or I'll go do something that, you know, so that I'm occupying my time um, you know, productively while it does its thing. But um, the editing experience, man, if there are hiccups there, that's yeah. painful. That can be super painful because you're you're knee deep in that for a fair amount of time. So yeah, hopefully that's not going to be a problem. I have been working in Xcode, which is also something else that is you know very intense. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of parts of Windows and things happening, mm-hmm. and then of course you're constantly compiling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know it's the programmer thing of like make one little change. Oh yeah, this one character here. Okay, run, <laughs> and then it compiles. It's like oh right. no no I did it wrong. Okay. Run again, <laughs> you know, it's just, you're doing that all the time. And that is noticeably faster for the project I'm working on. Good. Um, and the whole interface, everything is like silky smooth. Of course it was before, but I mean, if there's certainly no problem, like right. I'm not waiting on anything right. when it comes to working in Xcode. So hopefully, you know, I didn't have too much. I was waiting on with my Mac problem. It was a pretty powerful, you know, Xeon, you know, 12 core Xeon processor, 48 gigs of Ram and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I didn't have much issue with that, but there were some things. There were some times when the audio waveform wouldn't catch up. There were some times when I'd go and I'd cut out a big chunk of video and things would overlap and I'd have like a three second pause before, boom, I could do the next mm-hmm. thing. Mm-hmm. So we'll see whether or not, um, you know, I don't want to rush it. I don't want to go in like just playing around with it isn't going to give me the answer. I have to actually really make do my the next work. video. Yep. And then, you know, in real world use, see what happens um right. so so yeah we'll see um I, I i don't think i mean even i i can't see returning the the mac studio because even at this point if i say well some things are a little better than the mac pro some things are worse so maybe it's a wash but i mean still three years ahead of my mac pro um hopefully i can get some decent resale value out of the mac pro and you know, it won't be so bad. And then I'll, I'll at least be using the newest stuff from Apple. Right. Um, instead of an old Xeon 
not old, you know, Xeon, it's not old. You still buy, if you buy a Mac Pro right now, you get the same thing I've got with the right. Xeon processor in it. So, so yeah, so there's that. I did, um, one interesting note is I, I never had to do a, a machine to sh- machine transfer over Thunderbolt four before. I think it's four, maybe it's Thunderbolt three. I never really even bother to look. I just started transferring some files from one machine to the other mm-hmm. <laughs> over ethernet. Or uh, not Ethernet, Wi-Fi actually. You know, you know, ten, 10 gigabit wi- Wi-Fi. Right. Well, because I wasn't in a rush, it was like, oh, I need these files over here, so I'll start moving them over. Yeah. And it was like, oh, that's actually going to take like two hours. Well, yeah, I mean, I'll just wait. Uh, you know what? Let me try just hooking up a Thunderbolt cable. It, it, maybe it'll be a, a bit faster. It, <laughs> it was like two minutes. I was like an incredibly <laughs> large amount of data transferred right. over Thunderbolt, and I was right. like, how? Wow, I didn't realize it's been a long time. I just did not realize how much faster Thunderbolt three or four were for doing something like that. Just because right. I don't, I don't have to do that much anymore. Right. Right. So yeah, that's Very, that is pretty <laughs> funny. So you've got a little note here in the show notes about um, is eight gigabytes of RAM too little for a Mac in twenty twenty two? I remember we were talking about that a little bit after the last yeah. week's show. Um, what's your read? Well, yes. Yeah. So basically what I'm hearing from, unrelated to my whole thing with the Mac Studio, yes. just in general, the base models for a lot of Macs, like the Mac Mini, the MacBook Air, the MacBook Pro, the, small, the lower end one of those, they all come with 8 gigs of RAM. And if you, you can go to 16 gigs, there are your two options. If you get an M1 processor, the base processor, it's either 8 or 16. And I... It got sick of seeing online on forums, people saying, do not get the eight gigs. It's not enough. Get the 16 gigs. No matter what the person had or hadn't said about their needs, right. they could say, hey, I'm thinking to get a new M1 Mac. Any recommendations? Do not get the eight gig version. You know, that was, well, you don't even know what the person's using it for. How can right. you recommend one or the other? And then even if somebody said, oh, I do video editing and something, oh, you want the 16 gig, you absolutely must. And after a while of seeing these, I thought, well, wait a minute, I've got an eight gig <laughs> version in my, my M1 MacBook Pro. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the same machine that I've been using for all sorts of stuff. Sometimes I open Xcode on it, I run Xcode. I've done Final Cut Pro on it. I have done some of my ScreenFlow stuff on here. Matter of fact, when I was traveling, I put together an entire episode, video, screenshots, everything, and exported it all using this this eight gig M1 machine. And I didn't really have any issues. Um, I sometimes have many tabs open in browsers just to see, and I don't have any issues. And I'm trying to think of like, why are so many people recommending 16 gigs when clearly a pro like myself who really puts Mac through its paces, I, I seem to be just fine with this eight gig version. Um, and it occurred to me that if you're making that comment online, there's only a few possibilities. One is that you bought a 16 gig version and it works well for you. And you're making the assumption right. that it wouldn't if you got the eight gig version, right. but it's an assumption because you don't have the eight gig version to test. The other is you don't own either the eight or the 16 gig version. <laughs> You're just making the assumption based on that. I doubt anybody making that, you know, of the comments I read. I mean, there certainly are people who do benchmarks and, and journalists that review things and such, but I doubt anybody actually has both machines. And most of the people, nobody was saying, I have the eight gig version. It's bad. Get the 16. Nobody was saying that. So I was 
I thought, well, I do have the ACIC version and it's not bad at all. <laughs> so why tell people when their I needs are maybe web surfing and stuff? Theory, yeah. One theory, one theory, future proofing. So yeah. uh, be because the this is a non-upgradable component, yeah. right? Um, eight gigabytes might very well be plenty for all foreseeable use cases today. Yeah. If you plan on using and keeping the machine for multiple years, maybe it won't be. It's fear-based. It's totally fear-based. Um, and, you know, if on, in the PC world, I often recommend, you know, get whatever RAM you get, but make sure that your machine is upgradable at some right, point. Max certainly are not. Right. Um, which means that, you know, great, we've got that fear covered. If there's ever a case for you to uh, need more RAM, you can solve that problem. For example, the machine that I'm using right now, um, I have 64 gigabytes of RAM in it, um, of which I think it's probably only used maybe a third of that, no matter what I'm doing. Um, but but the motherboard is still upgradable to 128. Some years down the road, I may end up finding myself in that case when Windows continues to get huge. Um, but that's a, that's a scenario that you just don't have available. So that's the only thing I can think of. Yeah, I mean, it, it makes sense. It's a good general thing. Of course, RAM costs money. And... Um, People either, you know, the, the reason they're not getting 16 gigs of RAM because they don't just have the money to throw at it, right? Mm -hmm. So, because if they did, it's not a question. Just, oh, yeah, I'm rich. 16 gigs <laughs> all around, you know. But um, what happens is people compromise. And, sure. you know, the, the funny thing is, is I see people talking all the time about, oh, get the extra RAM. I rarely see people talking about get extra drive space. Which However, would, which I would probably get before I would get extra RAM, knowing it, that everything it, is working well. Yeah, exactly. And I see so much pain from people mm -hmm. because they didn't get a big enough drive. Mm -hmm. I mean, constantly. And Since honestly, 14 years, it's just been a constant of I am out of drive space. I need more space. How do I clear off more space? It's constant. And it's like, ah, you know. That was the so, hardest part of my iPad purchase, to be honest, um, because I only got 256 gigabytes. It's not the smallest, yeah, um, but it's not the two terabyte largest either. Right. And um, I would just sort of shrugged my shoulders because I don't really have you know deep use cases for this particular device. Maybe that'll change someday. I don't know. But that point is. Same thing with the RAM, is that if I ever change my mind and decide that I need more, I'm looking at a different device, a new device, rather than right. upgrading the existing one. Yeah, and the and the iPad is, you know, I'd say there's two types of computing devices you have: your primary workhorse mm -hmm. and everything else. <laughs> um, and for a lot of people, it's a Very computer true. that's their primary. You know, it's a Mac or a PC. Some, some of us have two, like, you know, have the desktop and the laptop, right. you know, one is the one where you want to have all of your stuff and you don't, don't want to go and, uh, you know, have too small of a drive there. Correct. Everything else after that though, it's not nearly as important. It's weird too, because the iPad, so much of what I'm doing is all cloud-based anyway. Yeah, right? So the, exactly. the amount of, the amount of space on the device becomes less and less, um, uh, significant. Uh, mm -hmm. depending on what it is I'm doing. So yeah. The pre my previous iPad before I got one last year had 32 gigs of mm -hmm. RAM. I uh, ran into I'm the problem with, with my Pixel. 
Um, I ran into the problem with my phone. Uh, mm-hmm. The previous phone I had, um, it was a classic case of, of um, wanting it faster. So I compromised. There were two versions. There's the, uh, I'm trying to remember, I think it was 32 gigabytes and 128 gigabytes. And I filled up the 32 on my phone. Mm-hmm. And that was mostly because I was doing things like carrying with me audio files and um, uh, even some video files that I wanted to be able to listen to while I wasn't connected. Uh, that that aspect has changed, but it did mean that when it came time to replace that phone, it was like, okay, yeah, I'll wait the extra week or two and get the 128 gigabyte version, which is what I have. Mm. And I, I've, I've probably only used half of that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's, I was able to get by on the 32 gigs and only at the end was it really, it was tough because there were some apps, baby ad that I wanted that right. I was trying to get pretty big in size. Right. Um, if I wanted to put a movie on it for the airplane, I could exactly. you know, maybe get two movies on it, that kind of thing. And it, but it was a non-issue because they don't even make them, you know, in that, that small of size anymore. Um, it, it's a weird I think storage in an iPad is very weird because there, there really are two types of iPad users. There's the type where this is my new, pretty new machine that I'm going to be doing my work on. Right. And in that case, you want a lot of storage. And then there's the, this is my sidekick machine. Right. You know, my main machine is a laptop or a desktop or whatever it is. And, and then the storage needs are vastly different for those two types of people and all too often reviewers online and co- commentators they fail to recognize the two different types of needs for an, an ipad um and they just talk about it in general terms and i really think if i was somebody who wrote reviews of like tablets and i was going to review the new uh, you know the new ipad i would go and i would say okay here's my review if this is your new main machine if you're an ipad user that uses your ipad for everything this is my review. Right. Here's my review. If you have a Mac or a PC and the iPad is something you're getting in addition to that. Right. Because it's such a different type of person or di- not person, but different type of need right? Yep. for that same device. Um, so, yeah. And, and it's true for computers too. And, you know, with uh, desktops and laptops. Yes. Oh, you know, yeah. Just, I, you know, I too, I, I run into that. I mean, clearly my desktop, just based on, based on how much RAM I've got in it, yeah. that's my workhorse. That's my machine. That's the thing that I do all the work on. Um, my laptop, while it is capable, I have to have it be capable enough to mm-hmm. do a certain class of work on it while I'm traveling. Uh, like it's my writing platform, for example. But I don't have it set up for things like video editing and screen recording. That's all on my desktop. So that means that the the hardware requirements, the disk space requirements, and indeed the RAM requirements for that machine are significantly less. It's 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 not a primary machine. It's a it's a temporary primary machine in some scenarios. But for the most part, as you say, it's a sidekick. It's it's the machine that lives in my family room um, that I use to look up IMDb. Yeah. <laughs> right. Um, right. Which now my iPad may be using for. I, I don't know. We'll see. So mm, yeah, no, I certainly yeah, I can see that. That's a, another good use for it to look stuff like that up. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah sometimes, absolutely. especially, I mean, well, it's 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 a kind of a stupid example, but it, it's valid. IMDb for some reason makes the the pictures next to the names names of the actors really tiny. 
Oh, I hate that. And most most of the time, it's like, who is that? Who is that on the screen? And you bring up the show, and you're like, I can't see the these tiny little thumbnails. Right. They need. Why don't they make those bigger? Now on an iPad, two fingers, right away, you've just enlarged it. But on a computer, it's like, <laughs> oh, what's the zoom? Let me zoom in. Oh, now I have to move over, and yeah, uh, yeah, you know, and yeah. all this stuff. So you know, but it's the kind of the kind of little nuance that. <sighs> makes sometimes it be better to have an iPad. I'm for still something. shocked that those thumbnails are so small. I know what is, what is wrong with it's 2022. Uh, Come on. Nobody's people. told them. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So in the cool department, yes. um, we watched Dune last night. Have you seen Dune? Yes. I saw it when it originally came out. Um, and I will say it is um, the best adaptation so far. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's a low bar. Yeah. Um, it is visually very well done. I really, really like the look of it and some of the decisions they made on um, the technologies involved and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, there have there in, in my mind, there haven't been enough sandworms, but that's just me. <laughs> Not enough. Uh, needs more sandworms. Needs more worms. That's your note. Um, but <laughs> the uh, I did not realize until the opening credit that this was part one. I thought that my two and a half hours was going to get me a full story. (laughs) And unfortunately that's not the case. And in fact, um, the second part isn't even being filmed yet. I guess it's been written, but that's about as far as it's gotten in the research we've been, we were able to do afterwards. Um, So I'm looking forward to the second part. I enjoyed it. But I also noted that it also, I don't know if it was an explicit or an implicit assumption, but it really does kind of assume you've read the book. Um, it really does kind of assume that you understand oh, okay. the story. Uh, you understand some of the, um, uh, you know, the fundamental concepts of the of the world that's been created. Uh, but if you have, if you've if you've read the book, uh, a congratulations because it's not an easy read. But um, <laughs> it's 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 a it's a good movie. I enjoyed it. How about you? What did you think of it when you saw it? it I was kind of like, I don't know. I it left. I, it was good. It was definitely good. Right? There was nothing. There was no no. F- problem with the acting no problem with the special effects and you know all that stuff it it all looked good it moved along at a good pace right it just maybe i don't know i'm not i've never been a huge fan of dune i did read the book when i was younger Mm -hmm. like so many other people that look like me and then um (laughs) i did you know see the old movie then and all that so you know i know i know that deal there wasn't any surprises and what happens in the movie right um but uh you know i just didn't i, I didn't feel like wow or like an emotional like right. oh my you know whatever I, I just didn't feel anything you know just watched it yep. and yep. it was like oh yeah and to be honest i mean given the book um it would be really really difficult to have a wow movie out of it, it yeah i mean I guess reading the, I, maybe I'm remembering wrong, but reading the book when you're young and you're just getting into science fiction and then you read the book, there can be a little bit of a feeling of, wow, and oh, what an interesting universe. And like, uh-huh. oh, I'm just uh-huh. amazed that, you know, my mind is expanded with the concepts here. Right. Um, I didn't get that here. Other movies, 
you know, I watched, I tried to watch a lot of the, uh, you know, Academy Award nominated films. Um, mm-hmm. And it just comparing like a movie like Coda, which is absolutely the opposite end of the spectrum from something like Dune, but it brought up real emotions. Right. I yep. felt things when I watched right. that movie. Right. I watched the movie Drive My Car, another Oscar nominated film. It made me really think about things like watching it just the subtleties in the movie i it drew me in into this the world of the movie that was there and you know to things like that and dune was just something i basically it kept me off my laptop for the two and a half or three hours or whatever it was <laughs> and, and and as i stared at the screen and took in the, the the retelling of a story i already knew so anyway Anyway, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Don't and, um, and when you try to tell this, I'm glad you're not like a huge Dune fanatic because I have found that if I say exactly the same things I just said to somebody who really likes Dune, they get yes. very upset. Def- and defense, can, defensive much? And I get it. I get it. I'm I'm a fanboy of some things. And when yep. if somebody if somebody goes and says they saw this movie or read this book and it was yeah it was okay. Well, okay, what are you talking about? That book changed my life. You know, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, I understand. It's funny. We, as it turns out, well, we had a friend over who ended up watching um, uh, the new uh, Marvel thing, Ghost something or other. Um, I forget the full name. But <clears throat> the actor who plays uh, Leto Atreides yeah. in Dune is the yeah, primary yeah. is the primary in this Marvel one, but it's a completely different character, right? It's just, wait a minute. Is that really him? Uh, you know, he 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 lost the beard, but is it really him? It's just so completely different. It was kind of an interesting interesting segue for us last night. The other thing I wanted to mention is that we've been watching Star Trek Picard and huh. have been quite enjoying that. It's been uh, a very very interesting to watch. They're doing in a lot of ways. They're they're in some ways they're doing uh, Star Trek for uh, the movie. Uh, the one, the, the whale movie, I think it is, where uh, they do time travel there. And there okay. are, as it turns out, a number of call-outs from one, from the show, from the uh, from Picard to that movie, uh, The Voyage Home, I think it is. And uh, it's just entertaining. I'm, we're having a good time with that. Looking to looking forward to another episode tomorrow night. So Cool. Um, let's see. For, oh, so there's another show. It's on HBO. And it's called Our Flag Means Death. I don't know if you've seen. I've seen it. Have not. I've seen the title. I've not seen the show. So it is a uh, it, it's a half hour romantic comedy um, about uh, pirates. And it's actually really a lot more interesting <laughs> than what you would think. So first, it, it takes place during the Golden Age piracy. A big fan of that. So early 18th century, you know, pirates in the and it's the main character is based on a real pirate named steve bonnet and who was like this pirate and i guess the the punchline of the whole thing is you know he was like a well-to-do you know guy that basically decided to give up his life of wealth and become a pirate because he thought it sounded neat um and of course you think oh well there's probably not much humor there but what if there were was a lot of humor there <laughs> you know what would this guy be like you know and um and so it's got a funny premise, you know, I mean, he, he, he literally buys a pirate ship and then hires a crew, which if you know, pirates from the early 18th century, you don't buy a ship and hire a crew. <laughs> <laughs> you, you take a ship 
and then your crew, you know, you enslave you your get, crew. Yes. Say, yeah. Yeah. So anyway, you know, but so he's a very sophisticated, like lots of, but he fills the ship with a library of books and, and wardrobe of clothing and all this stuff. It's um, stars uh, Reese Darby and also uh, Taika Waititi, who of course, oh, uh-huh. yeah. Yep. And, and it's actually, it has a lot of links to the whole, um, you know, uh, uh, what we do in the shadows TV show, you know, the uh-huh. vampire TV show stuff, but right. though it's not a mockumentary, it's not done documentary style. It's, it's a normal style, but it actually, it's the kind of thing you watch and it's like, Oh, there's a lot of good humor here. And then it goes a little bit like in directions and a little deeper than just the, the humor. Um, and it has some interesting, interesting plot points. Uh, Watiti plays Blackbeard. Okay. And there's a couple other real pirates that actually make uh, appearances in the show. And so Blackbeard is like the second lead. So Steed Bonnet, the pirate, is the first lead. And uh, Blackbeard is the second lead. And if you paid attention to what I said at the very beginning, it's a romantic comedy. <laughs> So, you know, you think, well, that they're probably going to play that for humor. No, it's not for humor. It's not like a, it's, you know, anyway, it's great. It's, it's a wonderful. Awesome. It's like a wonderful, like like, it's HBO. So it's like the, you know, they said, you know, it's the kind of thing where it's streaming. So they get, they get paid here, do an entire season of it. Um, And they went and, and said, we're going to make the show we want to make. And it may not fit the model that you would be expecting. So it was great. So I really enjoyed it. It's great. And it's got a lot of other uh, comic actors have little bit parts in it. Right. A lot, wow. of, cameo, a lot of cameos. A yeah. lot of little cameos. And you're yeah. like, who is that? You know, because they're all like dressed differently and stuff, you know, which but is it's why like, you oh, have yeah. IMDb on your iPad. Yes. Yeah, exactly. It's a big, yeah, it's a big IMDb thing because you're trying to figure <laughs> out who people are. Um, anyway, great. And it's only half hour, 10 episodes. So, you know, you just binge through the whole thing pretty quick. For whatever reason, that reminded me of something else that we, uh, you know, we caught up on all of our shows the other day, and it's like, okay, well, what should we throw on just next to fill in some time? We ended up starting the woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window. Oh yes, we saw that. Yeah. Did you? Ah, mm-hmm. okay. We're two episodes into that. We're big Kristen Bell fans, anyway. So yeah, well, we, that's that's what kind of yeah. we're we're in, we're enjoying that. It's also one of those kind of quirky, offbeat. You're never really sure what, quite sure what's going to happen. Yes, you're never really sure what yeah it's an interesting show another show that is not like you know somebody came up uh, business people didn't come on board and say right hey this show doesn't fit the mold you know right. it's got to be come on is this a comedy is it serious you know do want you know it's a show where the creators just said we're going to create something interesting yep yep and to clarify the the marvel show that i was talking about is moon knight moon knight that's right so Awesome. Um, let's see. In terms of pointing people at things, uh, to <sighs> circle all the way back, uh, I published, or actually I updated an article last week. How safe is Kaspersky Internet Security? Askleo.com slash 28269. It's a question that honestly got asked years ago, and I wrote an article on it. And I have, of course, updated that article with my new recommendation based on current events. So it is something quite topical and something I suggest. Cool. And for me, I'll point people at, uh, I did a video for the iPhone. Um, The iPhone has this battery management part of the settings that so many people just don't know about. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you get questions like, 
my battery kind of died yesterday really quickly. What could be causing it? Mm-hmm. Well, there's a tool right there that'll Let's tell you find ex- out. Yeah. exactly, exactly what was causing your battery drain yesterday. Like right down to like the hourly details and little graphs and everything. So I'll point to point people to that. It's worth cool. checking out. Yeah. Android has that too, but it's frustrating because the moment you plug it back in to charge, it resets. Oh, okay. so you lose the data. Uh, you, if you really want to, um, on the Android at least, if you really want to monitor what's using your battery, you need to use your battery exclusively um, until you actually oh, okay. collect the data. Now, this this actually not only does it uh, track the battery drain, but the charge as well. So you can see in the graph, for instance, mm-hmm. if you're not looking per app, you can see, oh, I you know, plugged it in last night at 11 p.m. Mm-hmm. And then you could see it charge up to, you know, over the next two hours to 80%. Right. And then flat lines. And then it knows that you wake up usually around seven and you could see at six o'clock, it shot up to 100%. Oh, really? You know, I, so love, you could, I love smart charging like that. Yeah. Yeah. So you cool. could, but you could actually see that it was doing it instead of being like, I don't know. I went to sleep. I woke up, it was 100%. You guys see, oh, look what it did. That was neat. Yeah. So, well, all righty. Well, I think that pretty much does it for this week. The yep. show notes are at tehpodcast.com slash teh160. If you've got a comment or a question for us, be sure to leave it there and we will absolutely see it and get back to you. As always, thank you for listening and we will see you here again next week. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye.